People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turin Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note here on Fine Music Radio. Let me tell you about my guest this week, Vota Kellerman, a Grammy Award-winning South African flautist, producer and composer who's won seven South African Music Awards. And using his classical training as a foundation, he's focused his attention on world and roots music, exploring the versatility of the instrument and fusing classical and contemporary sounds. Also, as part of his mission to work with and uplift children, Vota Kellerman collaborated with the Ndlovu Youth Choir, a rural choir based in Mutse in the Limpopo province in 2018. And their African version of Ed Sheeran's Shape of You became an international sensation. Now, Vota has also just released a new CD called In Different Light. And Vota, welcome to Fine Music Radio down here on the shores of the Atlantic. Thank you, Rodney. Thanks for having me. I say that because you are based in Johannesburg, aren't you? That's your home and where yes. you do most of your work. Yes, I, I'm, I'm a Joburg boy, but I um, love to come to Cape Town. It's just one of the most beautiful cities in the world. So, Well, you're allowed to, to stay for saying that now. <laughs> everyone, will, everyone will be pleased you said that. But do you, I think, I get the impression you spend a lot of time in the studio. Do you tour a lot? Yes, I play? do. I do travel incredibly much. You know, I've just had a look. In the last 10 years, I've taken 150 overseas trips. Good grief. All, <laughs> so, all concert trips, all playing. Uh, yes. Not not all touring. Some are just collaborating, but all musical mm-hmm. related. I do a lot of collaborations overseas and a lot of recording as well. Okay. Yeah. And how many albums have you got out at the moment? You've got quite a few, haven't you? I think this yeah. one is your, did we say the seventh? Seventh, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so you are busy in the studio. And we mentioned uh, crossover, the versatility of the flute, um, which we know to be a very, very versatile instrument. It can either be sort of quite townshipy or quite sort of major classical. Yes. It, uh, you know, you can have a beautiful classical sound and it can be quite folky. You know, you can get mm-hmm. the Irish folk. That's right. You know, or the, like the penny whistle type um, African folk feel. And then you can also have use some extended techniques. You can sing and play like uh, Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull. Or you can even do beatboxing on the flute. We call it flute boxing. I've also <laughs> done some of that. So it's a, it's a really lovely instrument to play because you can just be so expressive. And just looking at this new CD of yours, you've got quite a collection of flutes, including this amazing photograph. And I used to play the flute, but I've never seen anything that looks like that. What is that? That's a contrabass flute. So it's bigger than I am. Yeah, it's so standing it's, on the floor. Yes. And you are tall. And <laughs> yeah. you're looking up at it. Yeah, no, but it's beautiful, deep, deep sounding bass flute. Mm-hmm. And it's just great for a flute player to play that because we used to just always playing the melody and never getting to do the bass but I mean how often is a thing like that used you wouldn't see it for example in an orchestra no um, I think I have the only one in South Africa and I like it to use uh, you know sometimes I do an all flute version of a song we will listen later oh I hope so yes I'd like to listen to some and um, then I use that for the bass line it can also be beautiful percussive 
elements. Okay. Yeah. It must be, uh, just thinking about the way you blow a flute with the embouchure and all that, it yeah. must be fairly difficult because you've got to push a lot of air through that yeah, it's <laughs> to get it to sound. Demanding on the air, yes. Yeah. But, um, you know, I've been playing every day for many, many decades now, and so my lungs are pretty used to it by now. Okay. So I'm actually, I, it's quite a natural, just quite a natural switch for mm-hmm. me. To, to Have you got a whole lot of flutes then, apart from this extraordinary looking one? Lots of flutes. I've actually never sold a flute. So even all my normal sea flutes, I have quite a few, and I've just fallen in love with them, so I haven't been able to sell any. <laughs> <laughs> but I have uh, bansuris, you know, the whole range of bansuris, the Indian flutes, mm-hmm. some, um, you know, Asian flutes, American Indian flutes. All of which work and you can play. Presumably. Yeah, yeah. And do you include those sort of exotic things on some of your recordings as well? Yes, I do. Um, and also in my shows sometimes. Okay. You know, so… Yeah. so with shows and things, you know, just now I asked you about traveling around the place and giving concerts. Do you have a group that you work with? I know you've done some work with Charles Duplessis, which we'll come to in a moment. Yeah, but yeah. Do you have a regular group that you perform I have with? my regular South African band or group that I love playing with. You know, over the years, sort of one by one, we've crystallized uh, my band. Mm-hmm. And, and we just love each other and they're amazing to be with a Fantastic musicians, but also beautiful people. Well, and that's so important. It's a really important to allow the creative juices to yeah, flow. You know, and um, so we travel together. Often I, I take them with overseas. When I can't afford to take them, I would collaborate with the local artists. So I'll, I'll, I'll get a local musicians to stand in for them. And I always miss them, but then something new happens, ah. which is also nice, yeah. you know, yeah. Because presumably a lot of it is very improvisatory, isn't it, when you are performing? Yeah. So when you're working with new musicians overseas, the improvisatory nature would change Changes. somewhat. And, but also the other thing that I miss the most is that African feel, the African groove, for example, that overseas musicians just aren't able to get <laughs> at all. You okay. know, it, it seems like the most simple, easiest thing to us. Mm. But you just take it overseas and... You know, and you can't explain it to them, and and you just make it. It becomes something completely different. The yeah. same piece becomes, and and you just go with it. I was going to say it must be interesting for you when something like that does happen. Yeah, it go, it turns from desperation initially. <laughs> yes, I'm <laughs> to, sure. To, oh, okay, let's see what we can make of this, and mm-hmm. then it becomes something else, and it's it eventually ends up to be usually a lovely experience. Well, let's take a sample, and let's. Why not take something to begin from your new CD, Voter Kellerman, in different light? And I want you to tell me about this because you've chosen Bohemian Rhapsody, yes. uh, which is an iconic song, isn't it? The Freddie yes, Mercury Queen's song. Bohemian Rhapsody. Um, so we've decided to do an all flute and piano trio version of it. So I worked with Charles Duplessis and his trio; they're fantastic to work with. Um, and then what I did. Um, you know, Brian May's guitar solos in the original, I've taken the flute and put it through a guitar amplifier. Oh, dear. So, Should uh, I be saying, so, oh, dear? <laughs> so it gets pretty wild in the middle, <laughs> and you'd think it's electric guitar, but no, it's a flute. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, I see it's a little bit long, so let's see how far we can get into it. Yeah, we'll it. get there. We'll get to through. the wild bit. Yes, we will. <laughs> okay. okay, so this is the version of Bohemian Rhapsody from the CD in a different light with Vota Kellerman, Charles Duplessis and friends. Mm-hmm. 
I did say we're not going to be able to take the whole piece and I wasn't quite sure. Now, just listening to that voter makes me want to listen through to the end. And as you heard, the famous Bohemian Rhapsody, they arranged for flute with Wouter Kellermann and uh, Charles Duplessis and Friends. And this is on your new album, isn't it, called In a Different Light? Yes, the, the whole album is about taking uh, some of my favorite pieces and showing it in a different light. So they're all written by other people. They're all cover versions of pieces that are important. Yes, there's, there's one or uh, two originals, but mostly it's my favorite melodies. And, for example, uh, my collaboration with the Nlova Youth Choir mm. is Ed Sheeran's Shape of You, and we did a Zulu version of that. A very different feel than the original. Okay. So, yeah. That's the one that I said went viral or something. Yes. That went extremely yeah, that one, popular. Actually, how that happened is... Um, uh, a Nigerian artist asked me to collaborate, and he was also looking for a choir. And um, we were looking for a choir, and Tosi Pele, my manager, found the Lovu Youth Choir. They're from Mutsi in Limpopo. And when we started working with him, we fell in love with him and decided to collaborate. And so we did this song, and it just went crazy on social media with tens of millions of views um, across Facebook and YouTube. And then America's Got Talent 
got wind of this and then approached them and asked them to enter Marika Scott Tennant. And as you know, they went through to the finals. Mm, they did. Yeah. Gosh. And it's just been amazing to see these kids, uh, you know, dealing with the spotlight in a beautiful way and, and just see them grow and, and just handle it with so much it was an amazingly heartwarming story. Oh, it was beautiful. The whole thing and it's just back. so beautiful to see because they have so much work now. Mm. And they, they're really going from strength to strength. So just to be part of a story like that really has made my year. Oh, I'm sure it has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's lots to discuss about making your year and how you, what makes you tick, vote. And I just am intrigued where you come from. How, where did the music come from? Why the flute and all that sort of thing? Yes, my, my uh, parents took me to a symphony concert when I was 10 years old, and they asked me to choose an instrument. And, and I liked the idea of using breath to express. And the flute was sort of, my, my brother chose the clarinet, so I chose the flute. And I just fell in love with it from the first day, and I just obsessively started playing as a 10-year-old, mm -hmm. you know. A very unlikely 10-year-old boy playing, just playing, wanting to play the flute all day long. And um, eventually... Uh, when I left school, I wanted to do music, but my other talent was maths. And I didn't have money to go to university. My, um, and uh, Anglo-American offered me a bursary to go and study engineering. Oh, really? Yes. So I, I ended up studying electronic engineering. So you did go. You did go I did study. go, and um, which I loved as well because I do love maths as well. But my real passion is music. Mm -hmm. And so after... Um, university I got married early kids came and suddenly things became really expensive you know and I tried to swap over to become a full time musician and I would just run out of money go back to engineering and I tried all kinds of things to make some extra money and it um, it just didn't work and it also having kids um, is not really good if you're traveling a lot. Of course. So I had to wait until my kids left school. I waited 18 years, 20 years. My goodness. What and did you do in the meantime? I engineered and played music as much as I could. But you, your main job was as an engineer? Yes. Bringing in the money? Yes. I, I started my bills. own engineering company, which gave me some flexibility to spend more hours on music and also more hours with my kids. And um, so that's what I did. And I did, during that time, try and make the conversion to a full-time musician. But as I say, <laughs> would always <laughs> run out of money. And then finally, when my daughter left university and my son left school, the sort of financial pressures reduced. And also by then, I had developed my music business skills as well. And I was finally able to make that transition. And, uh, and I then just went obsessively into the music. But then I was already in my 40s. And people thought I was pretty crazy to, you know, in my 40s to now. And they say, you play the flute and you want to do that full time. And um, so I I knew I, I'd, I'd have to put in a huge amount of effort, and which I did. And it's just been a dream ride, actually, mm -hmm. since then. So when was the first big success after you left engineering and went into the music world, I should well, say? Well, you know, my first album, I'm still proud of um, because we, we spent, as with the first album, um, you spend as much time as you want because there's no deadline mm. usually. Mm. So I spent years making it. and then What was the name of the first album? Color. Color, Color yeah. And Classic FM actually picked it up and played a lot of music from there. But that album, I, I worked with Moritz Lotz, the guitarist. Um, he produced it um, with me. 
and um, they mixed it as well. And then I went overseas and mixed the album with Husky Hoskels, who's a Grammy-winning engineer who mixed Nora Jones's big album. Uh, and I just managed to find him somehow, and I went over. So I was obsessed with quality and after having waited so long to do my own thing. And I think that's probably been part of what's worked because I've really put huge amount of effort into the recording process and to the albums and just trying to make it as good as I possibly could make it. And also a labor of love for you, clearly. Yeah. Because of the flute it's, and because of music. Yes, it's, it's very passion-driven. So that album did, did very well. It was nominated for a South African Music Award, the first one, and it had really good sales and got really great reviews. And sort of really put you on the map, didn't it? Yeah. Absolutely put you on yeah. the map. So, and, the, and it's just been a sort of a slow growth from then. Yeah. yeah. Okay, voter. next we have Soweto Gospel Vivaldi. Tell me what we're going to hear and how it came about. Yes, uh, this is uh, winter from Vivaldi's Four Seasons. And after my Grammy-winning album, Winds of Samsara, the next album is called Love Language. And I wanted to put that on that album. And I, I had been a fan of Soweto Gospel Choir for a long time. So I asked him to join me in this song. And we got uh, Wessel van Rensburg, the jazz pianist and arranger, to arrange it for us. And we didn't quite know how to bring in the African feel of the gospel choir. And without disturbing Vivaldi too much, you know. Mm. And it was such a tricky balance. But this is actually probably one of my songs that I'm very happy with, so happy that how it turned out, you know, because they, they, their African feel really fitted so well into the Vivaldi um, spirit. And um, so I was really excited about that. Oh 
Well, how about that? Vivaldi's Four Seasons Winter, the slow movement that was, and in that version with the Soweto Gospel Choir, and my guest, Vota Kellerman, the flautist. And I think we can safely say that that did work. No wonder you were happy with the sound, Vota, because it does have an African feel, but it's definitely Vivaldi. Yeah, I don't think he would turn in his... In his grave, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, when you said you started the flute at 10 whenever you started, you yeah. said um, you couldn't put it down. Did you do a kind of a classical training? Yes. A formal classical training of yes, the Yes, I did all the, uh, that was my main focus. I played only classical music until about 12 years ago. Oh, really? Yes. In my house, there was only classical music, except mm. for one Miriam McKeber record. And oh, really? If yes. I, tell me about that. Yeah, and I listened to that record so many times. But um, my mom, when she went to work in the mornings, the lady who looked after me would only play African music. So I had a, from early on the classical on the one end and the African on the other end. So I've, I've listened very widely right from the beginning. And I always wanted to have include that breadth of, of music knowledge and music experience into the music that I made. So when I started writing my own music and creating my own music, it was really a very satisfying and wholesome experience to bring that in. And that uh, African feel, has that sort of permeated a lot of what you do now? It has, you but, write? but um, you know, there's also some Irish in there. There's, I took some trips to Buenos Aires to learn the tango, to dance the tango. <laughs> so I love the tango. You know, um, I've done some flamenco music. So yes, it says I'm, I'm here, very listen, curious. listen to this, it says, Vota drawing on influences, musical influences from Senegal, Spain, uh, Cuba, India, Greece, the USA. So it really is quite eclectic. By the yes, of things. yes. And it's sort of the common factor is the, the folk, you know, the, the folk music from all these different sources. Mm -hmm. That's what really inspires me. So for my, um, the Grammy-winning album, Winds of Samsara, is a South African-Indian collaboration. So I worked with Ricky Cage, who's an Indian composer and producer. And um, it was just um, an amazing experience to connect, you know, the flute, because the flute's very central in Indian music, um, because they play the bansuri so beautiful. And I had to resist the temptation to go all the way there and find a, a midway point mm. where I can bring my more classical background and my, also a bit of African spirit and combine that with the, with the Indian feel. Mm. It sounds as though you really have a wonderful sort of challenging creative life, but do you, how much writing do you do? I mean, this album that you've just released in different light, you said some of your favorite songs that are not necessarily composed by you. Yeah. Is it sort of 50-50 or do you... Do play most of your own compositions? No, I, I sort of combine it pretty well, I think. Initially, we wrote most of the music ourselves. Um, and because I used to do um, yoga with my um, yoga teacher, and he's also a classical guitarist. So we would do yoga and then spend time writing music. And that's that was just, a, that's yeah, that's how my first album was created. Uh, but over time, I've taken the liberty to to include some of my favorite melodies and um i love doing that you know i love taking a a, a well-known song and and approach it from a totally different angle and with a different feel well that's part of the creative process yeah. i suppose and with this collection of flutes that you have 
You mentioned when we were listening to the Bohemian Rhapsody that you put it through a guitar amplifier. Yeah. I mean, do you use electronic stuff quite a lot, or do you keep the the simple, plain sound of the flute very much to the fore? I tend to keep the the simple uh, flute sound mostly mm-hmm. um, because that's for me. It's all about sound and color. Um, for many people, music is about the notes, and I think a lot of jazz musicians feel that it's about the notes. While for me, it's about simplicity, a beautiful, just one note, just the color of it uh. already inspires me. And I don't need to have many notes. You know, sometimes I do, but I, I always feel that if you can find a simple way to, to express that emotion, sometimes, somehow it just does it more beautifully and more effectively. It seems to me that you are quite uh, unique, really, as a flautist in the world, almost. I mean, can you think of anyone else that's doing what you're doing with the flute, plus all these influences, especially the African influence, and especially African choirs? Yeah, there's actually nobody really doing what I'm doing, Mm. uh, which is a a blessing and a curse at the same time. It's a blessing (laughs) because you stand out, Yes. but a curse is that you don't have a, a sort of path to follow and a recognized way to get there. Mm. And uh, so it's been quite challenging because normally, I mean, you approach the festival and you want to play there and you go, oh, you play the flute and you want to come <laughs> play at our festival. And they just associate flutes with maybe something boring or and, and to sort of uh, indicate and to break that mold um, is, has been quite challenging at the same time, but very exciting. Is your music and style much appreciated overseas? I know you've won all these awards and Grammy awards, so obviously what you are doing, even though it is unique, is being appreciated. Yeah, uh, we've found that um, overseas we've been very surprised about, you know, with the reception re- that we've received. And I think part of it is that we're combining the African spirit with some of the other folk identities so it makes it a little bit more accessible Mm. and i also think that people have deep in their hearts a sort of a folky feel that that somehow through our genes got expressed and they can recognize maybe something that was originally a thousand years ago yeah you know i I, I know what you mean that is true i hadn't thought about it before that we all somehow relate to folk music somehow somehow i I feel it's like that and it's a bit mystical and it's a bit unclear Mm. but we we feel that we i go for example last year in october we went to jodhpur in india and we collaborated with the local rajasthanian folk musicians the people who've never been outside their little um, town and that have learned their music from their parents, who've learned their music from their parents, and they don't speak English. And we did this whole collaboration, but it's quite incredible that we can take South African music and combine it with Indian music so quite effortlessly. <laughs> that is it, it, it's just mind-boggling yeah. how that works. So I, I feel we are connected uh, via a common thread that goes back maybe thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Well, it does go back thousands of years, and the flute is a very old instrument, actually. I mean, okay, not the fancy key one, but blowing through a reed or a pipe with holes in it is almost goes back to the harp or even before. It actually goes back, I had a look, it Mm. goes back to before language was created. Well, nobody really knows when when language first started, but uh, there are some opinions about that, and the, the oldest flute... 
um, they found is actually older than most people's opinion of when language was created. So it could be, the flute could be that old. My goodness. Well, there's something to ponder. <laughs> While we listen to your next piece of music, which has nothing to do with the flute. And here we have Brooks Violin Concerto Number 1, that very beautiful second movement. Tell me why you've chosen this, apart from the obvious. It's just such an emotive absolutely emotive piece and it really moves me every single time I, I hear it and and for me that's what music must do move you
that piece of music, I have to say, is very often on what they call the classic FM Hall of Fame. The yeah. second movement of Brooks' Violin Concerto, that beautiful, beautiful movement there. And it was the choice of my guest, Voter Kellerman, the flautist, who's just released a new CD called In a Different Light. And a couple of times, Voter, while we've been chatting both on the interview and in the studio, you've mentioned what a perfectionist you are. And I think it's important to underline that that perfectionist also extends to the technical side. Working in the studio, mixing down. Is that true with the sound desk, all that sort of thing? Yeah, you know, that has been my advantage of being an engineer because I could get involved on the engineering side as well. Yeah. And, uh, but I do, I get obsessed with a piece. You know, for example, we traveled to, to Buenos Aires and um, we went to um, a flamenco bar while we were there. And I heard this, this is about 12 years ago, I heard this amazing piece called the Wajira, which is a, a flamenco uh, Cuban mix. And I wanted to do it for my first album, and I couldn't. I couldn't find a guitarist. The second album, the third album, fourth. <laughs> Eventually, I met this guy, Val Garay. Val Garay, he's an amazing producer that, uh, produced Neil Diamond, he did Betty Davis Eyes, um, and he won a, a, a Grammy for Best Record of the Year. Good He's grief. now older, and he said to me, he knows this beautiful flamenco guitarist in L.A. So we went ahead, and I was trying to find something in between my world and the flamenco world, and we spent a long time. I went to his studio, then I went back to my home, recorded, sent him stuff, and eventually, after months of to and fro, we had this song um, just about done. Mm-hmm. And I was driving in the car. I burnt it onto a CD and listened to it, and I wasn't happy with it. Oh, dear. And <laughs> then I spent another 100 hours just on the flute on that one song. Well, you see now, Voter, that is interesting. A friend of mine, well, Classic FM and Fine Music Radio knows him, James Grace. He teases me, although I gather it's true, that he would spend a day just doing one track because yeah. of his perfectionism and precision. Yeah. And he fortunately works with a sound engineer who is very sympathetic. Yeah. So are you telling me it might take you longer than a day <laughs> to do a three-minute track? No, much longer, much longer. It takes me weeks normally to do a, th- a three-minute track. But why? Is that to do with endless editing and putting bits together or, I mean, part of music is the flow, isn't it? So I'm now being the devil's advocate. Yeah, no, a, a lot of people disagree with me mm. and everyone to his own. Um, but part of it is that you you finish the piece and you're not happy with it. Mm. You know, and most people will just then let it go and say, well, that's the best I could do. But I, I could start over, you know, and find a different part for the flute. And even when the flute parts are mostly laid down, just to have the beautiful color at that moment. And then does it flow? Because now you get so involved and you, you sort of get um, very confused after a while. Mm. And you have to sit, stand back, give it a break, listen with a, with a fresh ear. And it's a, it can be fr- a very frustrating process. But at the end, you try and reach something that you're really happy with. I think what must be the most frustrating is for the producer that you're working with, the <laughs> yeah. sound engineer. I, I normally, <laughs> I, do, I do drive people crazy <clears throat> around me, um, and uh, but they they usually still want to work with me afterwards. I ha- sometimes I have my doubts, but then afterwards when they hear the, and we're all happy with the uh, with the final product, and a couple of weeks go by and they, and they listen back, and then they mm. go, oh, well, we can do that again. 
Because, as you said, you, you get confused. You can't see the wood for the trees where yeah. you're almost doing bar by bar or even note by note. Note by note, split and second by split second. Oh dear. And, and you <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, I mean, you can wreck a, a, a beautiful piece like that as well. So you have to be very careful. Sometimes um, you do one take and everything just works together, but every split second doesn't quite work. But the whole thing together works. Oh, and then and, what do you do? And then what do you do? So often... It's happened, for example, with my guitarist in the past that um, he does one take right in the beginning that I just did on my cell phone. I just recorded on my cell phone. And in the months after that, he could never do that again. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we would then eventually go back to my cell phone recording <laughs> and actually use that quality. Literally the cell phone. The, the, the cell phone and use that because it was better than everything he did afterwards. Gosh. It just shows what music is like, isn't it? It's that spontaneous yeah. sort of thing that happens. There's magic sometimes, yeah. and other times there isn't magic. Right now, this next piece we're going to play, Vota, is also off your new CD, In Different Light. Havana, tell me now, and this is all flute. Tell me about this. Yes, this is actually a version of the pop star Camila Cabello. She had this huge hit with this song, Havana. And I decided to do an all-flute version. So I did the bass flute you'll hear in the beginning. The contrabass flute starts. The one we were talking about that yeah, stands up higher than you. Yeah, starts with the bass line. And then I take all the piano parts and the guitar parts and the percussive parts and everything and just do everything on flutes. Including percussion? Everything, yes. I see. So what do we... <laughs> I even <laughs> use this, the sound of... Uh, of keys, yes, you know, without blowing, yeah, just a, a key hitting. I know exactly. And I, and I use like the big contrabass. When you close that key, it sounds a little bit like a kettle drum. <laughs> so I use all those different sounds, and and but in this recording, it's all flute. Let's listen. I can't wait. <laughs> Thank you. 
an arrangement of Havana on the new CD called In a Different Light with Vota Kellerman. You, presumably, Vota, playing all those instruments. How many flutes were involved in that track? Well, I've got the contrabass flute, the bass flute, the alto flute, and, uh, and the normal flute. And you can actually, I've got that on YouTube. Oh, can so we watch it? So you can, can actually watch me playing all the flutes. <laughs> the same, I did the same actually with the Bohemian Rhapsody, where I've got myself on stage, five of me, on stage and it's also on YouTube so I've, I've actually made a, all all the songs on this new album that we've made videos of oh, so people can go they, they google that title in, yeah, in a different in a light, different light. You, or Bohemian Rhapsody Havana or just my name mm-hmm. and you'll see the um, you know the last few music videos are all all linked to the same. So you also do visual stuff, but it seems, I mean, you're quite involved, aren't you, Voto, in the music business as such, because there is a business side that yeah. needs to be taken that's into it. consideration. And that's why we've gone the visual way, because mm. a lot these days, a lot of people consume music visually on YouTube, and yeah. they want to see you play it, or they want to see some background, or they want to see something linked to it, or some theme. And so we've had to sort of really welcome that approach so the over the last few years um, i've made some beautiful music videos and i've really tried to embrace uh, that way of dealing with it mm-hmm. but yeah these days um i've found that you can't just be a musician you um those days i think are for most of us over you have to treat your job in a sort of a more holistic 360 degree way and look at the whole music business and you and you can't like what, what I do is I get involved in the engineering then I get involved with the marketing and you know I know I can go on stage set up all my own sound equipment um, and then we do all the social media ourselves and 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 you sort of have to do that it's not really hasn't for me been possible to survive just focusing on the music. Mm-hmm. And I think the engineering background that I have and having had my own engineering companies helped me to survive uh, the tough music world. And the other aspect of yours, as we discussed earlier, is your interests, your mission to work with and uplift children like the Indlova Choir, like the Soweto Gospel Choir. I mean, clearly you have a kind of a passion for young people to get involved yes, and to, yeah. to uh, better themselves. I, I just love working with kids, and I've also been um, involved with the SOS Children's Villages and um, sponsored a house full of kids um, in Ennerdale, just south of, of Joburg. I, I feel that kids have got so much potential, and if you can make a um, little bit of a difference to one child and they can carry it forward into their future, mm-hmm. and they have kids and they interact with people, there's just so much potential of, of that effort paying off in the long run. So I, I feel it's, it's a very good investment of time. And I've, when I work with kids, they teach me so much more than I feel that I teach them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really good to sort of really get in touch with the child and yourself as well when you work with kids. So I just find it a very satisfying process. And next, Vota, so you've got this new CD in a different light. What comes next? Are you working on a new album? Or are you going to come to a concert tour in Cape Town? <laughs> I would love to. <laughs> I would love to. Um, I'm going to do some more of the same, uh, but there's also a few albums that are waiting to be recorded. For example, our collaboration with the Rajasthanian folk musicians. 
we haven't recorded any of that. Um, so I have many, many ideas, and it's pretty challenging. It's too many ideas to fit into one lifetime. Okay. And <laughs> too many things I'd love to do. Uh, and so basically what I do is I just take one idea at a time, go get obsessively involved in that idea until I finish it, and then take the next one. And for me, it's just all about creating beautiful music. Well, there you are. And talking about creating beautiful music, we've got some classical music to end. That lovely cello concerto in C by Haydn with Jacqueline Dupre. Yes. Uh, how did this get onto your list? You know, she's probably my favorite musician of all time. Um, I just love the way she plays the cello. She's just so passionate. And it's not always that clean, mm. but the passion shines through. And that's really what I've loved since I was a little boy. I've loved her. Her music and, and I started listening um, as a young boy with, with my parents' records, and I've just followed uh, since then. And she stayed one of my favorites. Well, it's good to know that you still listen to classical music, <laughs> even though you're doing this crossover <laughs> and folk music and all that. Classical music is still there. Definitely. My guest has been Vota Kellerman. As you heard, Vota, you can see you on YouTube. His new album is called In a Different Light. And here's Jacqueline Dupre with the part of the first movement of Haydn's C major cello concerto. Voter, thank you. Thank you, Rodney. Thanks for having me.
People of Note on Fine Music Radio was proudly brought to you by Peter Turin Productions. It's, it's astounding. astounding. It's bigger, steamier, and more outrageous than ever. It's the most anticipated musical show of the year. Peter Turin and Howard Panter present Richard O'Brien's legendary smash hit, The Rocky Horror Show. Get your thrill on with this spectacular cast, including Craig O'Barney as Frankenfurter. Do the time warp at Artscape Cape Town, December 6th to January 12th. Time is fleeting. Book now. 